welcome to the KC City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. Yes, the power of imagination. Now, I want to leave, I want to ask you a, a question here. And I'm not going to go over what we shared last week, but I'll just touch very briefly again and then try and try and do as much as I can this week. I'm going to be speaking on this topic over over a few weeks, so this is not it's not going to be the, the the second or the last. You'll hear me sharing a little bit more. I want to I want to touch on the concepts of imagining the aspects of healing. That when your mind begins to imagine these things, what what can actually really happen? So you call you and I we call into being the things that that the Lord begins to release within us. Hence, when you look at at the passage of Scripture in John chapter 14, where it says, greater things will you do than I as I go to the Father, right? Because there is something that He's released with us. You know, the, first, the, the, the passage of Scripture that we heard today as well, just before singing that song, Fresh Wind, we talked about the, the context of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit pouring Himself out, the Holy Spirit being, being released upon us, with uh, with with no uh, um, uh, with with no what should I say uh, reservation at all no reservation whatsoever just fully released upon us so that we will not only be filled but there will be a sense of boldness that will come over us and that Holy Spirit is with us today right isn't it interesting that most people in this world use we use our imagination against ourselves. Or most people in this world use their imagination against themselves, right? Because it's easy to think negative. It's easy to think thoughts that would, uh, would, would, would disrupt or destroy whatever God is wanting to create and carve within us. Amen? So the verses that we were looking at here are three verses that... Um, Three, three key verses. One is, for as he thinketh, or for as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. The second, second one is, um, sorry, the second one is um, in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, where it says, Calling the things into existence, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him, in in the presence of him who he believed, that is, God who gives life to the dead and calls into being the things that do not exist. I mean, imagine that, that, we, that we are able to call into being the things that, that um, are yet to exist. He's given us the power. He's given us the ability to be able to call that into being. And uh, as we know, in Genesis chapter 1 in itself, it says the Holy Spirit be began to hover over what was formless, what was without void, and He called into being, right? And we look at Genesis chapter 1 as well. But the verse that um, we touched on last week, uh, but I, I didn't get to really fully share um, much about this verse is in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 where it says, I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you riches of the spirit of wisdom. We sang that song, wisdom and the spirit of revelation. To know Him through your deepening intimacy with Him. Isn't that wonderful? To know Him with the deepening intimacy with Him. And verse 18, I pray, this is what Paul is saying now, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of His calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that He finds in us, His holy ones. That that imagination that as, as we begin to pray this prayer, this is a prayer that we need to pray. Uh, we, we need to personalize this, personalize this prayer. Lord, I pray that, that the light of God will illuminate my eyes, the eyes of my imagination, Lord, and flood me with the light until I experience the full revelation of the hope of my calling, the hope of my calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that He finds in me, His Holy One. Why don't we personalize it? Let's begin to pray that. 
in verse 18, I pray that the light of God will illuminate my will illuminate the eyes of my imagination. Flood me with light until I experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's inheritance that he finds in us, his holy ones. He finds in us his holy ones. Pray that prayer on a daily basis and see what happens. Can I encourage you to do that? Pray that prayer on a daily basis and see what happens. You know, I've shared this before and I said every morning when I wake up, the first thing that I do now is this, Lord, I want to see your face. 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 So that's the first thing. I don't even ask for anything except this, Lord, I want to see your face. I want to see your face. And I'm still praying that prayer. I'm still praying that prayer, Lord. I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to go much deeper. Right. This is what one of the, I think I, I, I mentioned this, one of the greatest minds in history, Albert Einstein, said this. Um, when I examine myself and my methods, my methods of thoughts, I come to the conclusion that the gift of fantasy, imagination, has meant more to me than any talent for absorbing positive knowledge. So here, this Nobel Prize uh, winning physicist called, he called imagination a holy curiosity. Now, many attribute his amazing world-challenging achievements to his imaginative skills rather than his IQ. And there was one other quote as well, uh, a writer by the name of Julia Cameron. In her book, The Artist's Way, The Spiritual Path to Higher Creativity, writes this about the conflict that we all have. Because so often we feel as, as artists and as creative beings, um, you know, you guys, you know, you're, you're, the, you're the artsy ones. We, you know, we are not so the artsy. I, I'm more an engineer, so I look into more the methods, more the mechanical aspect or, or you know, calculations and this and that. So I, I don't think I can be that creative. But God gave us both a left and a right brain so that we can be creative. We can imagine. That's why he says, may the eyes of your imagination, may the eyes of your imagination. And so Paul prays for the people in, 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 in Ephesus, right? But... This is what she, she says in, in her book. And she says this, that about the conflict that many experience when stepping out of the shadows into the realm of imaginative creativity. She uses the example of a single brush stroke on a plain canvas. And the left brain says, what is that? That is ugly, useless. The right brain then says, that is amazing. It's beautiful. It's got such potential. When God creates, create man, he must have used his right brain because when he finished his work and had a look, he said, this is very good. He did not say this is ugly and useless. He said, it is simply amazing. Wow, what a sight to behold. And that's why I asked you earlier, imagine that point of creation that when God created Adam, what went through his mind? What were the first utterances between God? And would they have laughed and chuckled and said, Oh, wow, this is so good. This is so good. You know, would, would, would that have been the excitement? Or, you know, the Trinity looking at, at their creation and saying, Wow. So God looks at you and I like that. You know, so often... We feel afraid to show someone. I hate to show anything that I draw or paint because in my eyes, actually it's not only in my eyes, I'm sure in everyone else's eyes, it is horrible. It just doesn't look, I just can't at all. I can't, I can't really paint. Uh, maybe stick figures, uh, stick, uh, figures I, can, I can, but you know, I've resigned to the fact that I can't. Maybe I can. It's just that I've not challenged myself. I've not gone for certain classes, maybe. Uh, would I love to do that? Oh, yes, I think I would love to do something and, you know. So there are other things that I might give myself towards. Why? Because the fear that even when, you, even when I cook and when someone eats something, the first thing that I want to hear is, oh, wow, it tastes really nice. 
you know, but I don't only look to their, their actual words, I look at their facial reactions. Why? Because so many of us, what we do is, even if it's not nice, we will say, oh yes, it's nice. And our, and our, and our facial reactions actually really show that. Why? Because we don't want to hurt the other person, am I right? So, look at the person's facial reaction. So, when someone shows you an image, maybe... Maybe we can look into that image, that painting, and see, wow, wow. You know, my, my, grand, uh, my grandnephew and my grandniece, uh, Carl and Keisha, some time ago, they, they, you know, Father's Day, birthdays, they always draw stuff and, and, and they bring it and they give it to me. And I, I still have quite a few of them. But the, the one word that really, really caught my attention was when they called me Funkle. And I was wondering, what is Funkle? <laughs> Did they, do they know how to spell uncle or, you know? Well, Funkle means fun uncle. So I thought, wow, that is great, fun uncle. You know, what a, what a great uh, uh, name. You know, in that sense, for someone to call you that fun uncle, you know, and that really, uh, it, it really did something to, really did something, something to me. So I, w whenever I look at that, I always remember, man, I'm a fun uncle. I'm a fun uncle. I got to live up to that. So I got to make sure that when they come around, I must be really funny. I've got to make sure they have a fun time as well. You know, and, and, and that's it. You know, when we call certain things, we actually bring into being particular aspects, calling the things that are not as though they were. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 uh, no, actually, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 to 17, right? Um, when God, the, the, the incredible thing, but what's really incredible is that when God created a single thing, He saw it, He imagined it, and He spoke it into existence. So as we look at Colossians 1, 16 to 17, it says this, For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. In God, all of these things are held together. Colossians 1, 16 and 17, I believe. The next one is the uh, um, Amplified Version. Looking at that, it says, For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth. Things, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created and exist through him, that is by his activity and for him. And he himself existed and is before all things and in him. All things hold together. He is the controlling cohesive force of the universe. Right, so he is the one that imagined this into being. He imagined this universe. He imagined this world. He imagined everything that we begin to see. You know, you walk out and you go for walks right now and you look at things as you drive around particular places. Right, you see, wow, this is, it just couldn't happen. It had to have been created by someone. You know, Jesus bore the image of God in flesh. Right? We also bear that image of our Creator. So what does that then have to do with our ability to now begin to imagine if we are created in His image? Let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 27 in the NLT. It says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all of the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry al uh, along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Amen? So, before God made us, what happened? He actually imagined us. We were conceived in his imagination and made in his image. So the word imagination is what I call a pregnant word. 
It's full of something. It's filled with something. And, and it bears much. And it, and it is waiting for it, for something to be delivered out of that. So there is a delivery process through the context of imagination. Again, when Paul says that, that the eyes of your imagination, so as you begin to see that, and here we are created in the image of God. Now, last week, I gave you a word which I was kind of fumbling over, right? And I remember Stephen saying, um, he, he tried to help me, okay, just remember, uh, do you know ya? You know, do you, do you know ya? <laughs> you know, that's what he said, right? In the Greek, it's dianoia, right? Dianoia. Now, there are two other words, right? Because the image, the word image in the, New, in the New Testament Greek has three possible meanings, right? Where we derive the word imagination from. So the first is this, logismos, right? To ponder a reason. You heard CJ mention something about the context of meditating, right? So here, logismos means to ponder a reasoning, a thought, to account or reckon, it implies here a contemplation of action and most often translated thoughts. So what are your thoughts? What were his thoughts when he created, when we are made in his image? Now remember that, we are made in his image, right? So in other words, before God spoke his creative words, he contemplated his actions. He thought about his actions. He gave it much thought before he created us. Right? The second word is malateo, which means to care. Describes the mental action of attending to something or being diligent in preparation and provision. So again, so what, what does it imply then in the context of imagination? Imagination is not just sitting down and just thinking. There is much involved in it, Right? So he talks about diligent, being diligent in preparation and provision. What are you providing your imagination? What are you, how are you preparing that? It also means to ponder or imagine, implying here the process of meditation. So what do you give your mind to? What are you thinking? What are you looking at? What are you meditating on a consistent basis? Creating us was not a spur in the moment, or something whimsical. It was not a whimsical idea. It wasn't like saying, oops, okay, come on, let's just make man. The Father, the Trinity pondered what they were about to do. They, they meditated, considering the future, folks, the future implication of their creative genius. This is what I'm going to create, and this is what it's going to look like. They're going to fail, and I'm going to provide a sacrifice. I'm going to restore them back. The enemy is going to try, and he's not tried, the enemy is going to consistently wage a warfare against them. But I'll raise a standard around them. I'll raise a standard around them. The third word, which is what we, we touched on last week, dianoia. <laughs> there, there you see, I got it. Dianoia. Say it with me. Dianoia. That's right. Come on. One more time. Wonderful. You've also got it. Literally means a thinking over. The faculty of imagining or, or forming mental images or concepts of what is not actually present on the scene, or in the, to the senses as yet. So it's not present there. And we begin to then form it. So hence, earlier when, when, you know, when I mentioned about Look at that image that was painted. You may not have had an image, but then after seeing that, where is that image now taking you to? A more accurate rendering in Luke chapter 151, which is part of the Magnificat, says this, that the imagination of their, the imagination of their heart, and we're going to look at that, right? God did more than just ponder or meditate or contemplate our creation in his intellect. He did more than that, friends. He actually conceived us in his heart. The imagination of his heart. He sang over us. Imagining us in his heart. So he's singing over us. What song is he singing over you, friends? 
What song are you hearing him sing over you right now? You know, before Adam took his first breath, there was this overwhelming sense of enormous love that God had for him. That's why it says, you are fearfully, in Psalm 139, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully and wonderfully. That means there was so much, you, you know, have, have you tried holding certain things like, you know, when you bake a cake or something that is so, you know, that, that, that is so precious and you know you've got to just make sure that everything really fits really well. And so there is that fear, fearfully and wonderfully in that sense. Not fear as of being afraid, but the sense of, you know, having such seriousness and care and caution that when you begin to do that, it is just absolutely perfect. It is the exact thing that you have pictured that you've just wanted to see. So in Ephesians chapter 1.18, it says that God gives us the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation, right? In the knowledge of Him, so that the eyes of our understanding, which is the eyes of, which is the anoia, the eyes of our imagination, it, it will be enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of His calling. So, even in the circumstance that we are in right now, which, believe me, it feels so hopeless. It feels so hopeless. So many. I can see Sam on, on Zoom. Man, our friend's supposed to be celebrating his 21st birthday, right? I got the invite. And I'm sure several other people got the invite. I want to go for his 21st birthday. Sam, I want to come, Sam. Can you do something about it? Come on, Sam, I am. I am Sam. I want to celebrate my 60th birthday since last year, November. I still haven't been able to celebrate that. Some people want to get married and it's so difficult. Right? This is hopeless. The situation looks hopeless. But can we all imagine together what God is, what God is wanting to do, what God is wanting to release? We need to. And you know, this week, this next seven days, I shared with the elders and, 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 and a few others, I said that I, I, I really feel that the church is in dire need of CPR, meaning Christ-postured revival, CPR, Christ-postured revival. You may have received, and in, you may have received that in, in, in your emails and probably be up in our Facebook page as well. But what we're doing is we're dedicating, we're calling for seven days. It's like a pit stop. You know, when you go on a race, it's like a pit stop where you come in and you come in and your tires are changed and your, and your tank's refueled and all of that. And, 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 you know, your team comes and speaks to you and says, hey, watch, watch this now. B begin to consider this. They begin to feed you. They begin to uh, uh, refresh you. And so you, you get out of that pit stop and you get back into the race. So it's at 9 at night every day from Monday right through Sunday from 9 to 9.30 that you know, as we come and as we begin to, um, to, to seek, seek the Lord, seek the Lord. There'll be different ones who are going to be speaking. There'll be a bit of worship there. There'll be different individuals that are going to be speaking. And also every day, someone will come, someone uh, whom I've allocated to wait on the Lord for that specific day to release a prophetic word on that day. So friends, join us. It's, it's half an hour. It's half an hour, 30 minutes to come and to come into that pit stop and come in. Let's begin to imagine together. Let's begin to imagine together a revival that's going to sweep this nation. We heard right at the start, this is the land of the Holy Spirit. It's been prophesied. It's been spoken. It's been declared. We can't lose sight of that. The only way for us not to lose sight of it is for us to come collectively and begin to imagine the same thing. Amen. When brethren begin to dwell in unity, that's when his anointing will begin to flow. So God speaks to your heart through the eyes of your imagination. Knowledge is a good thing, only if it is interpreted correctly, though. The imagination is that, that, that process center that provides understanding and comprehension to the knowledge that we receive from God. It is the faculty through which we make sense 
of God's wisdom and enlightenment, right? Again, I want to quote Albert Einstein here. And he says this, To know is nothing at all. To imagine is everything. For knowledge is limited to all we, all we now know and understand, while imagination embraces the entire world. Sorry. Yep. <sighs> to know is nothing at all. To imagine is everything. For knowledge is limited to all we know and understand, while imagination embraces the entire world and all there ever will be to know and understand. Your imagination is the preview to your life's coming attraction. To your life's coming attraction. Right, in, in Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 7 to 9, it says, The Lord says that the first covenant was faulty because the children of Israel could never fully grasp divine truth in the depths of their hearts. They had a difficult time receiving revelation knowledge and walking in it. How many of us sometimes feel like that, Lord, it's so hard to see our theme is, Revel and reveal as we revel, as we imagine, as we, as, as we enjoy God, as we begin to revel in it, revel in God. He begins to reveal to us, right? And here it says in, Hebrew, in, in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7 to 9, that they had a difficult time receiving revelation knowledge and walking in it. So in the new covenant, in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10, it says that God now will put my laws, I will put my laws in their mind. And that word there is deanoia. I will put my laws in their imagination. So deep within us, he has already put that, that there are seeds inside of us. He has filled us. That's why he says, if you delight in me, I will give you the desires of, of, of my heart, of your heart. If you delight in me. Because delighting brings us into a space where we begin to imagine the things that God imagines. We begin to enjoy him, and as we begin to enjoy him, he then we begin to realize, wow, these the, the things, the desires of my heart, he just wants to give it to us, folks. He wants to give it to us. He wants to give it to you. Hallelujah. So first, he puts his truth into our imagination. So it can be written upon the, tab, upon the tables of our hearts. It is as though your imagination is the pen that writes... On the paper of your heart. In other words, what you give your imagination to meditate upon will be what is written upon the tables of your heart or the tablets of your heart. Your imagination is the gateway to your heart. So Paul repeats the same concept in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 15 and 16, where he says that in the new covenant, the Holy Spirit is constantly uh, witnessing his spiritual truth to us. But this time he writes, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds or in their dianoia, in their imagination. Will I write them? In this verse, spiritual truth is initially, uh, uh, it, is, it is put in our hearts. And then it, it, it comes into our imagination. Hallelujah. So, sometimes God enlightens our imagination first. Which in turn communicates divine imagination or something, something to ponder on. Now, either way, the Bible teaches that the eyes of the imagination and the powers of the heart are vitally connected. So our imagination and our heart, there, there is a vital connection and both are used to interpret spiritual truth. Friends, we see and feel our thoughts. You can see it and you can feel your thoughts. Always remember uh, this, this Christian group. I think it was, I think they're the newsboys. This was the first group. Um, they, when I was a youth pastor in, 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 the, in Full Gospel Assembly, Melbourne, 
um, I managed to get in touch with the lead singer and invited him to come and speak at one of our youth, uh, you know, conferences that we that we organized. And I remember him saying this because, you know, I, I, they were from Australia and they moved to the States. And, and they became fairly big. And I asked him, how did all of this come into being for you? How did you begin to, you know, figure this out? Or you begin to come up with, you know, this, this sort of uh, production and so on and so forth. So we began to just engage in that conversation. But there was one thing that he said that I would never forget. He said, Larry, we began to taste what we were seeing. We could taste it. We could taste it. I've, I've never forgotten that. Because sometimes some of the things that I feel the Lord, you know, challenges me or challenges us to go into, I sometimes feel, man, I can really taste it. I can taste it. And that's why I believe the psalmist says, come taste and see that the Lord is good. Come taste and see that the Lord is good. He wants you and I to experience Him in all of our senses. And our imagination is one of the most powerful as aspects. So imagination enables us to think, friends, with pictures. That's what it does. Our imagination forms mental images or concepts of what is not actually present to the senses. It brings these concepts, right? We don't think, I don't think with words. We don't really think with words. We think in pictures. We see our thoughts. Imagine, we see our thoughts. So you see when, you know, when you're dormant, when, when our dormant imagination, when it begins to spring to life at our command, calling the things that are not as though they were, we often, what experience what we begin to experience the sense of passion the feelings of passion begin to come into play because we call the imagination we call it out and we begin to see that and it wow it was only a dream before now it's a, now it's a reality and so passion you you're filled with the sense of passion now many authors who write you know on fantasy know how to tap into that into that sphere you know jk rowling um, wrote this. This is one, one of the quotes here. Now, I've learned to value imagination in a much broader sense. Imagination is not only the unique, is not only the uniquely human capacity to envision that which is not, and therefore the founts of all invention and innovation. It is arguably transformative and revelatory. Revel Oh, gosh, how do you pronounce this? Revelatory. Thank you. Thanks, Karen. Revelatory capacity. Transformative and revelatory capacity. It is the power that enables us to empathize with humans whose experiences we have never shared. Wow. Are you afraid to share your imagination with some people? Because they might turn around and say, hey, man, you need, I, think you need, I think you need to go to the loony, loony bin or something like that. Or that might be ridiculous or that's crazy. That can't happen. Right? At times, we're able to sympathize as well with the pain and passion that others are experiencing. Because look at it, it is the power that enables, enables you and I to empathize with humans whose experiences we have never shared someone passing away, someone going through a difficult... You may not share that, but you, you know, your imagination is able to take you into that place, right? The pain and passion that others are experiencing, indicating I can feel your pain is more than a way of expressing compassion. It comes from the depth of our hearts. It is, it is real, friends, in our imagination. It can be that real. Having imagination and refusing to use, to use or passing it off as mere childhood fantasy is, is truly a ploy of the enemy to rid us of the greatest gift that God has given you and I. Say that, say that with me. He has given me the greatest gift, which is the ability to imagine. He has given me the greatest gift. 
So the, the, the key is that our imagination ought to be devoted entirely to God in order for us to make sure that our imagination doesn't go rampant here, there, and everywhere. So the enemy comes and he begins to tempt us to think this, tempts us to look at this, tempts us to begin to feed on things that takes us totally away from God. So these next few days that we have, these next seven days this week, we want to encourage you to turn everything else off and come into a time where all we do is imagine what the Word of God is going to lead us into. Imagine a world. Not, 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 not the imagine of Beatles that there is no heaven. But imagine a world that is filled with the kingdom of God. Imagine a world where His kingdom is present in and amongst us. Right? So, which, which leads us to this verse. As a man... Think in his heart, so he is. Amen. Actually, before that, you know, you know the verse. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Now, recent studies indicate that the heart actually really communicates to the brain and influences the brain as it processes, processes perception and emotions. So there is evidence that actually shows that so there is there there is scientific basis to explain how and why the heart affects mental clarity creativity and emotional balance right j a armor a noted neurocardiologist introduces a concept of what is called functional heart brain and believes that the heart seems to have its own peculiar logic that sends meaningful messages to the brain that are not only understood but obeyed. So the Bible is absolutely on point when it says we can think in our hearts. So as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Oops. Here are some, some questions that I'd like for you to ponder on. Look at that. Look at these questions. Take note of that. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says that the Lord saw how great, how great the wickedness of human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was not only evil at all times. Let me repeat that. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of, human, of the human race had become on the earth, that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. And so in that, in that context, what happened? He began to bring the flood, Noah, to destroy all of that. In Luke chapter 1 verse Six to uh, 67 to verse 51, the Magnificat that I had mentioned earlier. Verse 47 to verse 51. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of this maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed, for he is he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. But hear this in verse 51. He has shown strength with his arms. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. So they were scattered in the imagination of their hearts. Something happened deep within. 
right? As they began to imagine, as they began to imagine, you know, pride. Because if there's, if there's one thing that God hates is this. He has no patience with pride. You know, Jeremiah 17 verse 9, it says, actually the Hebrew word for imagination signifies not only the word imagination, but also purposes and desires. Right? So that's the, the Hebrew context for imagination. It signifies that. Right? And in verse, and in Jeremiah chapter uh, 7, seven uh, sorry, in, in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Who really knows how bad it is? You know, the imagination of the heart surfaces like a lit fuse in our consciousness, friends. It ignites our actions for either good or evil. Either good or evil. Hence, when Jeremiah, Jeremiah says that, that the heart is deceitful above all things, who can really understand it? The heart is like a dictator. Just dictates things to us. Right? God has always judged us by the condition of our hearts, not our brains. Of our hearts. Right? And so when, that's why when Mary sings this and says, My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Right? Now, there's, there's just, you know, this, this teenager that suddenly hears that she's going to be impregnated with the Messiah begins to imagine that. Even when she asks, how can it be to the angel? She doesn't ask that from a sense of pride. But she asks that from a context of, how can I align my thoughts now, my imagination to this so that I bring into being and give birth to the Messiah, to the Savior? But I'm going to bring this to a landing right now. Paul describes in Romans chapter 1, verse uh, 18 to 21. Right? Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. You read that and you think, gosh. He says, the consequences of unrestrained pride... The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all godliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppresses the truth of truth in unrighteousness because that because of what may be known of, of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. And friends, this is, this is significant here. How many of us can relate to this, that though Although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So when we allow anything, last week we heard about guarding our hearts, making sure that 24-7 our heart is going to be guarded. For Matthew 5.8, is wonderful in the, the Beatitudes. It says this, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Lord, I want to see you, Lord. So there is this raging battle, you know, that consistently says, now who's going to rule? Who's going to rule my heart? Who's going to rule the heart of mankind in a sense, right? And in order for God to rule our hearts, imagination has to be conquered. And our heart thoughts must be brought into captivity to Christ. And so my concluding verse is this. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5 says this. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. 
For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments. The word arguments here is actually imagination, casting down our imagination. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know, when I was in Bible college, our music lecturer, who's just a phenomenal songwriter and a, and a, and a worship leader, Plays, plays the cello. Oh, he'd love to play with you, CJ. And he wrote the song, Laying Down My Vain Imagination, Focusing My Thoughts Upon You, Lord, Meditating in Your Loving Presence, Not Allowing Fear in Anymore, Capturing My Wandering Thoughts Before You, Casting Them Before My Lord and King, Um, meditating once again I think meditating in your look standing pure and holy in your presence thank you looking through eyes that now are clean can we go back to the first laying down my vain imaginations focusing my thoughts upon you Lord Meditating in your loving presence and not allowing fear in anymore. Capturing my wandering thoughts before you. Casting them before my Lord and King. I don't know whether you remember, uh, uh, I know my, my wife's going to cringe right now, but I don't know whether you remember a story that I shared some time ago. But there are many of you who are quite new here. So a team of us from Bible College, we had to go down to, on a mission to uh, Cannon Beach, I think it was, in, in, in Oregon. And so my wife, myself, and, and, a, and a, we had a band that, that went, and I was leading the team. And, you know, those days we didn't have all this fancy stuff of, you know, flicking... Um, your PowerPoints and so on and so forth. We used to use, do you remember the days of the overhead projector? Overhead projector with the slides. And then you flip, flip that in and, they, and then it, it just flashes there, right? So, so we were teaching the song and so my wife was given the responsibility to write the words to the song. Um, and uh, Lauren, can I, can, or whoever that's doing the words, can you put up the chorus please? To that, to that song, I look to you. Uh, I look to you, the author and the finisher, right? Uh, oops. I look to you, the lover of my soul. You consume my heart and my vision. And through your love, I am made whole. So she writes the song and she puts it there and we go through worship and I'm standing right in front and leading and you need to, you need to imagine this. This was a, a, a bunch of, a group of, uh, um, what do you call that, uh, uh, you know, guys by the beach. What, what, what's the term? Beach, uh, not beach boys, but do you know what I mean? They, they were all real, you know, I can't call them beach junkies. Surfers and all of them, that's right. So they, you know, so they were all just, just laid back and not, 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 not amused, not enthused and all of that. So imagine trying to lead worship where it feels, I guess, if they're so cold in that sense, right? Just maybe overtly relaxed. So they didn't seem to be getting into it. And, and suddenly, and you know, when we lead worship and when it comes to times like that, what I do, I close my eyes. And I'm closing, and as I'm closing my eyes, I'm sensing there is something I'm starting to feel that they were like laughing or something along those lines. So when I open my eyes, and I'm seeing them kind of holding their laughter, and, and so the first thing I look is, I look right down to see if my fly was down, right? I mean, that's what most of us men do, just to make sure that we're decent. 
Am I, am I right? So I looked at it, and the overhead projector is just here. I looked at this, and then I looked at the words. And as I looked at the words, I saw that line, and through your love I am made, was spelled, and, and the first was spelled W-H-O-R-E, not W-H-O-L-E. And so imagine they are looking at it and singing, and through your love I am made whole. Not I am made whole. And so when I looked at it and when I saw the first words that came out of my mouth was, oh my word, just that as I'm singing, through your love I am, oh my word. It went out like that. And they just lost it. They just began to laugh and laugh. Some, I, I could even, I kid you not, I can even picture that right now. The guy that was sitting on the aisle on the left side fell on the floor, just laughing and laughing. And then, you know what I said? Well, looks like guys, I think we now need to lay our vain imagination down. We need, to, we need to capture. So immediately we came back to the first line of that song where it says, laying down my vain imaginations, focusing my thoughts upon you, Lord. Right? So in a, in, in a setting like that, in life, we go through life. So often there are, there are the unintentional aspects that begin to grab hold of our lives. Things that shouldn't, shouldn't have happened, they begin to grab us. And those are the times where we get, we, we get lost. We begin, to, we begin to wonder, now, Lord, what do I do? How do I gravitate? How do I begin to maneuver through this? And the Lord comes to us and says this, lay down that vain imagination. Focus. Focus. Begin to focus. So, friends... As we lay down our vain imaginations right now, I'm, I'm going to ask CJ to just lead us in that song, Jesus, You're Beautiful. Jesus, You're Beautiful. And, and, and let's begin to see what the spirit of revelation, the spirit of wisdom, let the Lord bring that to us. And, and next week, I want to take you further into the context of what our imagination can help us begin to create. What are we going to be creating? What are we going to be creating? Hallelujah. Thank you.